Greetings, Elkies and Fernando Alcoholic. I'm going to be reading to you a story from a grapevine, June 1993. AA in Canada, 50 years. At that time, AA had 50 years. Then, so now, 93, it's going on 80 years here next year, or in a couple of years, 2023. All right, this article is called The Silent Magic of AA. And, you know, the word magic is also translated miracle, you know, or uh, coincidence. The silent coincidences of AA, the silent miracles, the silent wonders of AA. Here we go. This is sent to us by Charles J. H. from... Ontario, Canada. After 25 years drinking career, drinking just to kill the pain of life, I came through the doors of AA in Hamilton, Ontario. Out of a possible 19 meetings a week, I went to about 14, and I alternated between having a perfectly open mind and an almost perfectly closed one. And an almost perfectly closed one. But the silent magic of AA was working on me, and I took a little bit of strength from each meeting that I attended. The, the miracle finally happened to me last September. I had been trained as a design engineer, and I am used to working and testing assumptions. So I finally decided to make the assumption that I suffer from the disease of alcoholism, and to compare what I had learned about disease with the facts of my life. Fact one, alcohol had a disruptive effect on the alcoholic's life. My last drunk, which was two beers five years ago, caused me to attempt the murder of my teenage daughter. Her life was saved by a little voice in my head that said, put it down, and I put down the chair in my hand so so hard that it broke. That, That same night, I scared the living daylights out of two of Hamilton's finest as they took me to my alma mater, the Hamilton Psychiatric Hospital. I was in the bubble room again. Wow. Fact two, alcoholism is a progressive disease. Excuse me, the commercial. Alcoholism is a progressive disease. I review with interest my lost family, my lost house, my lost jobs, my lost car, and my lost ability to work and drive. The final loss that woke me up was the loss of my little skill in making music. There was no longer any pleasure in my home made dulcimer. I had to conclude that if I didn't do something soon, I would lose the only thing I had left which was my life. Fact number three, AA works. For example, in September of last year, I paid a visit to a local psychiatrist to see if he could help me as I knew something was wrong. He told me I was crazy (laughs) and there was nothing he could do for me. I left his office feeling worse than when I went in. 
But it was the meeting night of my home group, and I came out of that meeting feeling better than when I went in. Armed with these facts, I now made the decision that I had been ducking for so long and came into the arms of AA for me to save my life. Armed with these facts, I now made the decision that I had been ducking for so long and came into the arms of AA for me to save my life. Although I knew most of the people in the room that night, I was terrified that they would throw me out. AA had truly become the last house on the street for me. There was nowhere else for me to go. Since those dark days of only a year ago, I have been able to accept another truth about myself. My history of 13 psychiatric hospitalizations and I have sought professional help for my other illnesses. I am now finding a strength that is slowly growing in me. And that amazes me. I can only be coming from, it can only be coming from a higher power that the people in the fellowship of AA have given to me. The promise of AA are coming true, the promises, for me as I move into an unknown future one day at a time. Although I have a highly trained mind that seeks out causes and conditions, I am no closer today to the truth of how AA works than I was five years ago or ten years ago. All I know that it works beautifully. In closing, I would say to the newcomer, keep coming back until the miracle happens. We won't throw you out no matter who you are or what you have done. Charlie J. from Ontario. The Silent magic of AA. Welcome to today's reading of Daily Reflection and 24-Hour Little Book. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, 12-step program rocks. Thank you so much for listening in today. <clears throat> we get right into our reading for December the 13th. It says, thinking of others, <clears throat> our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 20. Thinking of others has never come easily to me, even when I try to work the AA program. I'm prone to thinking, how do I feel today? Am I happy, joyous, and free? The program tells me that my thoughts must reach out to those around me. Huh, will that newcomer welcome someone to talk to? That person looks a little unhappy today. Maybe I could cheer him up. It is only when I forget my problems and reach out to contribute something to others that I can begin to attain the serenity and God consciousness I seek. <clears throat> 
Okay, I'm Fernando Alcoholic. The way that this one works for me is I, I pray the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer and other prayers to, to help. I ask God for resources so I can help others. I, I am looking for 25 tons of gold so I can uh, create big, enormous things like take care of 2,000 uh, orphans, you know, and take care of some widows and so forth. I ask big of my big God, and uh, and then he gives me enough to handle in what he thinks, all right? It might be the uh, the orphan down across the street taking him some leftover donuts <laughs> that I can handle right now. So I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at, and I'm thankful for this process, for I pray that God strengthens uh, and pays my bills so I can be of service to others. It's a no-brainer, guys. If we were God, we would design the world to be like this. Uh, there was a, a seminar I went to in Reno years ago. <clears throat> I just happened to be working there in construction for Granite Construction Company. We were laying down hot asphalt on Virginia City, Carson, all those Nevada cities up there in Reno and Sparks, Nevada. Big truck, a lot of heavy-duty equipment. The God gave me the desires of my heart. I wanted to play with dirt and construction, and I got the job. So I went to a seminar there. They were having at a hotel. I got someone to drop me off there once, and uh, for some reason or another, I just came from work. I didn't have the vehicle with me, and uh, I think I just dropped off by faith. And, and it happens that about late at night when everything was over i'm walking down i said how am i going to get home i didn't see anybody i recognize i'm in a different city i don't know anybody and lo and behold a guy that's from sacramento miles and miles away happens to be walking the hall and he wasn't at the meeting and i says i said roger what are you doing here and he goes oh i just came to see what was happening i know it's over with <laughs> I said, I need a ride. He goes, come on, I'll give you a ride. You talk about, that's not a coincidence, guys. There is a God, and he's ready to hit home runs for us. Uh, and we just run the bases. But, you know, the problem with us is we take the credit. You know, you just have to be 100% make a decision to give all the credit to God. God pays all my bills. He... Uh, I don't have anything that I don't need. He's given, you know, you know the whole thing. So it worked out really good. But the point I was making on that story is, I'm glad I put God in it, is there was a, a, a businessman talking about how he, he lived in a dumpster and he had a roommate. There was two guys in a dumpster. <laughs> and uh, he went to go see his... Uh, and he said that the insurance guy that he would pay his, his uh, insurance and he stopped paying would always talk to him when he's ready. Come, I'll take you to Alcoholic Anonymous. So he went over there and he said he had mustard on his clothes and stuff and he got into a fight with his roommate. So he left and uh, left the dumpster. Now, this guy's a businessman just drunk out of his mind, right? And he went over there to talk to the insurance guy, and the guy took him to AA. And uh, he was, and now he was the speaker for the convention. And I was sitting down there uh, having a good meal, 
spending the money. You know, it was free. God gave the money, right? The expensive uh, uh, banquet. Uh, not expensive, guys, but uh, you know what I mean. It is expensive for us. Anyway, he said a joke. He said that in heaven, they have, uh, the guys have strapped uh, hands with big old forks. They got these wooden spoons, you know, about three feet strapped to their arms, but they can't feed themselves because the spoons are too big. They have to feed the guy that's in front of them. And everybody in there is joyful, happy, and falling down. Anyway, the joke went like this. He said, he goes, I died and went to heaven, and St. Peter met me at the gates. And he said, and St. Peter said, hey, well, we have a lot of uh, uh, sections here. Where would you like to spend eternity? He says, well, come on. He goes, I don't know. Well, I'll show you around. He went over there, and he opened the door, and there was millions and millions of people on their knees praying oh, as far as he can see. And and then Peter says, he goes, what's up with them? I thought this is heaven. Why are they praying so hard? He goes, oh, he goes, those are the Catholics. I, we told them they made it, but they, they still want to uh, pray the rosary. So he goes, well, I don't want to be in that group. And then he went to another group where they uh, they were swinging from the chalandiers and they're jumping up and down and all kinds of things and just chaos. He goes, I don't want to be in that room. So he, they couldn't find a room for this guy in heaven to be in eternity. He goes, he goes, well, he goes, uh, well, we got this other group to say they only want to live one day at a time. Yeah. And, and they always have coffee brewing. <laughs> oh, he goes, that's where I want to be. That was a big um, meeting in the sky. And he went there. And the point is that they had those uh they had those uh, uh, those spoons and the forks strapped to their arms, and they couldn't feed themselves. They they had to speak feed others. And before he went to the room, he showed them in the room where the guys were skinny and thin, and I guess it was hell where they couldn't. Uh, they were trying to feed themselves, and they were skinny and malnutrition, and uh, they couldn't do it. But they they wouldn't reach out and feed his fellow man and then his fellow man can reach out and feed him across the table. Anyway, just give me your benefit of the laugh. Give me a ha ha ha. You're very funny, Fernando. Very creative. All right, moving right along here. Uh, 24 hours a day, it says, we come now to AA Fellowship. It is partly group therapy. It is Partly spiritual fellowship, it is, but it is it is even more. It is based on a common illness, a common failure, a common problem. It goes deep down into our personal lives and our personal needs. It requires a full opening up to each other of our inmost thoughts and most secret problems. All barriers between us are swept aside. They have to be. Then we try to help each other get well. The AA Fellowship is based on a sincere desire to help each other get well. The AA Fellowship is based on a sincere desire to help the other person. In AA, we can be sure of sympathy, understanding, and real help. These things make the AA Fellowship the best we know. Do I fully appreciate the depths of AA Fellowship? Meditation for the day. The higher power can give us guide us to the right decisions if we pray about them. 
We can believe that many details of our lives are planned by God and planned with a wealth of forgiving love for the mistakes we have made. We can pray today to be shown the right way. We can choose the good, and when we choose it, we can feel that the whole power of the universe is behind us. We can achieve a real harmony with God's purpose in our lives. Prayer for today. I pray that I may choose a right today. I pray that I may be shown the right way to live. Amen. And let's go ahead and pray out. Beautiful reading for today. We choose the right. Let's pray. The Our Father, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, keep coming back. It's working. Thank you. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is a how why first of all we had to quit playing God and didn't work. Next we decided that thereafter a draw of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father, we are his children. What was good ideas are simple and his concept was a keystone to the new tribe of art which we pass through freedom. When we specifically took a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had to move our feet off our you provide what we needed if we kept close to him and perform his work well. Interested in our job and our little time of design, more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life, but we felt a new power flow and we enjoyed peace of mind. As we discovered, we could face life successfully, and as we became more conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear today, tomorrow, or thereafter, we were remorse. Keep going. Keep going. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way 
of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We had then completed step seven. Page 86, please. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. In circumstances of war, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. Blood or religious domination which requires definite morning devotion. We, we attend that also. If not members of religious bodies, we are sometimes selected to memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles that we have been discussing. We are, there are many helpful books out there, so each of these may be obtained by one priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see what religious people are right, make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when we're agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. Uh, we kindly remind ourselves we are no longer running a show. Uh, humbly saying to ourselves, many times we say, Thy will be done, we are in less, with much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self pity, self, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so we're not burning up energy. Foolish savages we were, as we were trying to arrange our lives to see ourselves. Uh, page 416, please. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue, that I had been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, now finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, 
Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. An acceptance I answer to my, all my problems today when I'm disturbed because I find some person, place, or thing, situation, uh, some fact from my life unacceptable to me. I can find no sorting until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world my mistake until I accept my alcoholism. I, I cannot stay sober unless I accept my life completely on life's terms. I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world is stage, all the men and women are really players. He forgot to mention that I was truth critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. AA acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about you or about when I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. Okay, what's that? Page 420, please. Acceptance is the key. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to Him, however it turns out. That's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Page 100, please. you persist, remarkable things will happen. When you look back and realize the things that which came to you when we put ourselves in God's hands were much better than anything we could have ever planned. How often following follow decades of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter how no matter what your cir- cir- present circumstances are. Page eighty three, please. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. 
Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Wonderful, wonderful readings. Thank you so much, Rick. Have a great... Thank you for... Oh, bye now. Have a great week. Uh, see you tomorrow. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. And with that, I'm going to read um, my favorite portion right here. I think this is remarkable. It's on page 100. It says, "Both you and the new man notice that we're going to have to be worrying about somebody praying for the new person. You know, as time goes by, you can pray for six new men. You know that are coming into the program." Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. You know, the path of spiritual progress is us, sponsors, praying for our sponsees. Okay, for uh, serenity prayer, any kind of prayer. Just mention their name. God is here. God is in our midst. He's standing here. Or I can say Psalm 23 for them. The Lord is the pastor of Eric. Eric... Just mention their names. Ernie, Randy, Tommy he hasn't checked in in a while. The Lord is the presence of Frank and uh, Les. Les has a lot of time, but he likes to be prayed for anyway. Patrick, uh, uh, the other, um, Eric, the other is another guy named uh, uh, something like that. You are their shepherd, Lord. They shall not want. You make them lie down in green pastures, and you lead them besides the still waters. You restore their souls, and you make them walk in the path of AA for spiritual progress. Amen. That's my prayer. Now, it says right here, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. Remember, praying for our sponsees, praying for the people that have problems with alcoholism, drugs, or anger. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Amen. <clears throat> Give them heaven, family. Have a great day. Patrick. You can go, Patrick, you can go ahead and take 
our speaker for today. Uh, take a double portion, 20 to 30 minutes if you like. <laughs> Thank you. Patrick appears to be muted, Fernando. Okay, Patrick. Yeah, unmute yourself. Yeah, I was unmuted, but somebody unmuted me. All right, can you hear me now? My name is Patrick. I'm an alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. Great. And Fernando, I, I said thank you very much uh, for persistently uh, sending me numbers and so forth. We did get uh, connected uh, uh, a little bit about uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, uh, I think that... Uh, the disease of alcoholism is like, uh, you know, there's a fuse on it, a fuse to a bomb. And some of us have got a long fuse and some of us got a short fuse. And uh, I decided to get drunk when I was 12 just to see what it felt like. And what it felt like is like most of us, uh, I got sick to my stomach because I drank a whole jelly glass full of everything that was on the uh, uh, the liquor cabinet of the sleepers across the street held my nose and clicked it down and uh, I didn't know that it took a while for the uh, booze to take effect so I did it again <laughs> and uh, that could have been very damaging uh, you know I crawled across the street to my uh, to my house my dad was with his girlfriend so I didn't get uh, busted and uh, did what we usually do get sick to my stomach back and forth to uh, the porcelain uh, altar and uh, it was what could be described as a negative appearance, but something clicked. And uh, the fuse had been lit. And the next thing I, uh, I drank, I was at a, uh, an Italian wedding. And uh, it was in the uh, church uh, uh, auxiliary room with the stage, kind of an auditorium. And uh, the... Adults were all drinking, so they weren't paying too much attention to us kids, and I got into a liqueur called Anisette, and it was about 150 proof, and I had a few shots of that, and the next thing you know, I'm up on the stage. There was a, a black jazz singer by the name of Billy Eckstein, and I had kind of a voice at that time, and I started doing Billy Eckstein, and I was, at that time... 12 years old, I was about four foot nine, I weighed about 74 pounds. And if an elixir can turn you into a jazz singer, uh, you're probably on your way to being an alcoholic. And I chased that uh, for years and years and years because someday somehow it's gonna start working, which is the great delusion uh, uh, I read in, uh, in the big book about most alcoholics. Uh, I went to jail. I had what they call 502s. My first 502, I was doing over 120 miles an hour in, on the uh, San Diego freeway and uh, blew a .027. Uh, got to visit the Culver City Jail, and my attitude at that time was, why are they picking on me? I'm a citizen. And the fact of the matter is that if your children would have gotten my way or your relatives would have gotten my way, I would have killed them. And you don't have that kind of uh, insight into uh, some of the things that happen to people that have the disease of alcoholism. It cost me my career. The only thing I ever wanted to do is be a doctor. 
but it interfered with my drinking and partying in the, in college. So I dropped out of pre-med and I got into like psychology. Uh, cost me a marriage. Uh, I don't know how many jobs that, uh, that I quit before they found out, you know, what was going on with me. Uh, uh, I remember when I left one job, my manager said, uh, Patrick, I wanted you to know that your amperetta died four times because we got to have an excuse when, uh, <laughs> you know, when you really can't show up, you're so hungover. And a lot of us show up when we shouldn't show up. And I had done that several times. I married an alcoholic, we were drinking uh, buddies, and uh, when I got sober, I broke the agreement. And uh, she still had uh, drinking left to do, she drank for another 12 to 13 years before she uh, she got sober at a place called Friendly House down south in, uh, in Los Angeles, the first women sober, sober living. Still going very strong, although it's now kind of a treatment facility also. So um, in... Early recovery, uh, I got a sponsor right away, but I found out my sponsor, and he had been my uh, trainer, so to speak, when I worked for Xerox Corporation selling copiers. Um, but I found out that he hadn't worked any steps. And he was also kind of easygoing, uh, uh, probably because he had Librium in the medicine cabinet. And at one particular time with old-timers, you know, uh, benzodiazepam, uh, Librium, Valium, that was going to be the cure for, uh, for alcoholism. And uh, uh, both of my parents were, were alcoholics, and so my mother got sober in AA, but she never got off the, uh, uh, the benzos until the day she died. So I needed to find somebody that I could identify with, and I got, um, uh, I got sober in Hawthorne, California, at the uh, Southwest Alano Club over on Birch Street in Hawthorne. And uh, I got a guy that had 25 years, he had been in the nut house a couple of times, and I think he was probably crazier than me, but he wasn't acting crazy. He had this thing that I late, uh, later found out was a program, and uh, he would be able to do this pause and ask that the book invites me to do when I'm agitated or doubtful, right for the, ask for the right thought or action, and then his actions were appropriate to uh, his connection with his higher power. And he had a nice home and a wife and four kids and an airplane and a hot job with, uh, with Northrop, uh, writing uh, million-dollar proposals. And I wanted what he had, and there was enough on the surface because that's all I looked at at that time. I didn't know about the, you know, uh, uh, opening up to a spiritual awakening and development. And I followed this guy around like a, a puppy dog. And uh, back then... We really had 12-step calls. There weren't any treating. This was 1972. There weren't a whole lot of uh, uh, treatment centers. Uh, Betty Ford, uh, you know, was probably with uh, Gerald Ford at that particular time. <laughs> so uh, uh, my sponsor, uh, we went on 12-step calls over at Old Town uh, Torrance um, in a Skid Row area. And he was very active. And he taught me about the economy of uh, a spiritual awakening and being in the umbrella of the third step um, that if I'm taking care of first things first, the other stuff takes care of itself. 
And I didn't know that to begin with. I had an agenda. I wanted to get my wife back. I wanted to get the respect of my children. I wanted to get my fancy job back. None of that happened. My wife blew me off after three three months. Uh, my, my kids, it takes a long time to get their respect. Uh, they didn't love me. They didn't hate me. They just kind of, oh, yeah, that's Uncle Daddy. He's here because... Uh, uh, I didn't have that ability that, that uh, we lose, uh, the ability to care. Um, my, my life was around selfishness, self-centeredness, and at a certain stage, the booze was to uh, take care of the guilt and the remorse for the way I was acting. I didn't know that I had the alien on my face of alcoholism uh, that was dictating my behaviors. and. Uh, uh, we call it a liar, a thief, and a cheat, and that's uh, what I qualified for. Uh, not knowing that you have a disease that creates the opportunity for these kinds of behaviors puts a whole lot of unconscious and some con- uh, subconscious uh, guilt. And uh, in early sobriety, if good things happened to me, I would sabotage it because I didn't deserve it. I was such a rotten person. But with the fourth and fifth step, I was able to uh, admit to my uh, innermost self not only that I was an alcoholic but also that I had a disease that was dictating these things and uh, a little self-worth started to bleed in particularly after uh, the fourth step the fourth step introduced me to uh, a thing that I never realized and that's my part in every relationship that I've ever been and not to look for uh, I had rationalized, I had alcoholic parents, I'd been a Catholic, I was military, all of that stuff, uh, you'd be screwed up too. And the only thing that I could do is pour more alcohol and drugs and, uh, uh, and eventually they stopped working. My sponsor told me early on, he said, Patrick, you've got a broken drinker and there are no spare parts. And that killed off my sense uh, of, well, someday I'll be able to, because I came in here to learn how to uh, drink like a gentleman. And uh, you didn't tell me that. He said, there's no spare parts. There's no spare, spell, uh, spare, blah, 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 spare parts in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, or any treatment programs. Uh, you got to you know, grasp and develop a spiritual program. And that's what uh, I did with his leadership. Um, what it's like now is uh, I'm 82 years old. Uh, if I live till March, I'll have 50 years. Uh, of continuous sobriety, um, no mind-altering, uh, and I didn't think I could live without that stuff for crying out loud. And it all depends a day at a time on the maintenance of my, my spiritual condition. And I, I do that. I, I read the big, big book every day. Uh, I do page 86 of the fourth uh, edition. Uh, when I get up in the morning, when uh, upon awakening, we think about the, uh, the 24 hours, but I ask God to direct my thinking. I do an inventory every night that's on page 86 of the fourth edition, because uh, that's what I was raised on, uh, that says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day, or we selfish, dishonest, resentful, afraid, do an old apology, and so, so forth and so on. And when the defects are uncovered, and it was usually selfish, dishonest, resentment, and fear, um, a fourth step was all of, uh, shaded with a whole lot of uh, uh, facts and bad stuff. But the purpose was to get to the exact nature of my wrongs. And that boiled down to selfishness driven by survival. I had to be. 
uh, selfish, dishonest, resentment, and fear. These are the things that I look for. Uh, was I thinking about myself all the time, or was I thinking about others? What I could pack into the stream of life that turned me inside out to where I was all me, 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 to where I was we, we, we. The first uh, word in the first step is we. I had to get we. I can't. We can. Um, I go to the gym three times a week. Um, I did. Uh, I've had the kind of ailments that people had. I was paralyzed with Guillain-Barre um, uh, back in 95. Uh, went from being a, a marathon runner to uh, being a slug. Uh, I've had quintuple bypass surgery. There's always been the fellowship. Uh, when I was lying uh, paralyzed up in uh, Washington, Overlake Hospital, there was always somebody from AA in my room. Uh, the nurses thought I was some kind of a dignitary because uh, they brought a meeting to me. And I was at that point of depression that I didn't care, and I didn't care that I didn't care, but they did. And they came and took, took me out to a red balloon, put balloons in my, and I had to draw on their caring, uh, their uh, love and appreciation. I didn't have it. It just, it just wasn't there. And I was like 20, 23 years sober, you know, so aren't you supposed to get weller and weller and well? No, life happens and we have to live life on life's terms. And fortunately, I was given the tools that uh, what we begin to learn about and then put them into action to be able to pause and ask for the right thought or solution when I'm agitated. That's like when I get crazy, uh, when uh, my material wants are before my spiritual needs, um, that I'm caught up in uh, a materialistic world and start thinking along those lines. And my sponsor told me, he said, you're uh, your spiritual condition is is your shield. Um, it's like it's your disease is like a snake that's coiled up, and every once in a while it'll uncoil and it'll look to see if you're in good spiritual condition. If you are, it just coils back down again. But he says the time that it uncoils and you put principles before personalities, or you decide. I've been around for a long time. I don't have to go to those meetings. Besides, there's kind of crazy personalities at those meetings, and I don't agree with them. It'll bite you right in the neck. <laughs> and that image that he gave me was, I needed a visual. I needed something to say, yeah, I'll keep coming back. I go to four meetings a week. I go to both AA, NA, uh, and, uh, and Al-Anon because, uh, I was severely affected by my uh, my mother and father's uh, alcoholism. My sister was an alcoholic. Uh, I enabled her. Uh, uh, Roberta and I had to raise her kid when she was out doing her alcoholic thing. But uh, she did get sober, and she's the one that 12-stepped me, you know, almost 50 years ago. And uh, she unfortunately uh, passed away at the ripe age of 60 from uh, COPD and uh, you know, we have people in our lives that make a severe, wonderful impact, and she was one of those. Uh, she was that person, you and me, against the world. She had my back. When she was out there doing her alcoholic thing, I had her back. And uh, uh, my sponsor was the first time that I could ever approach something 
called trust. Because uh, my mother wasn't there. You know, she was doing the best that she could because she was an alcoholic. I wasn't there as a, as a parent. I lived to experience my kids looking at me lying dead drunk on the couch the same way I used to look at my mother lying dead drunk on the couch. I knew how she felt and I knew how I felt. And that's the beginning of, of probably one of the most liberating um, uh, opportunities that I had and that's to be able to forgive, to be able to uh, let go and let God. I just had to put in another uh, person, another relationship that I had in my God box because when I don't want to know, I, I didn't know what to do with my daughter. She was, uh, she was off to the races in uh, alcoholism and, and addiction when she was 11. Put her in treatment and all of those kind of stuff. But what I finally had to do, her name was Angels, write her down on a piece of paper and put her in my God box and then do the next indicated step. So there is the, a double stage that my sponsor told me, and that's the grasping of the program stage. And that, would, to me, was driven by the desperation. At one particular time, I thought, oh, boy, geez, did I really have to do it. Desperation is what got me in here. I didn't have any other place to go. And by starting to do the steps, the motivation was no longer desperation. The motivation was, this is a pretty darn good way of life. And I got that after the fourth step. I was going to check myself into a psych unit because I couldn't handle the uh, feelings that were coming out because I couldn't put alcohol and drugs and lying and stealing and cheating and rationalizing. I couldn't hold it down anymore. It just started coming up. And when I did a fourth step, I didn't have to go into the psychiatric unit. Uh, and that was the first time I got a, uh, an experience of, you know, this stuff really works. Uh, it was mental, emotional, and spiritual that, uh, that allowed me to uh, go on to a fourth step or a fifth step. I, I did a fifth step with, uh, I did three of them, and the last one I did with a Catholic priest because I read the book that said those of us that are of a particular religious denomination will want to and must uh, deliver this to the properly ordained authority. And I did that because um, I had some circumstances in my life at that time that, uh, that were absolutely overwhelming. And I went to a meeting where I reworked all of the steps. And then when I got to that fifth step, I read that passage in the book and did it. Uh, I don't uh, practice my religion anymore. Uh, to me, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is a way of life that uh, allows me to define God as I understand God, as higher power, higher self. Uh, and that uh, through prayer and meditation, I can begin to establish a conscious contact with a higher power and no longer have that hole in the gut that I had when I was new with the air rip rushing through uh, or being in the front pew of uh, St. Uh, Catherine LeBourne just bawling my brains out while still drinking and not even know I was bawling my brains out. Well, it was the powerlessness. It was a surrender that's necessary for me uh, to grasp and develop the spiritual principles embodied in the 12 steps and the traditions that hold us together. Can you imagine a group of drunks being able to accomplish anything? These traditions evolved because uh, we knew ourselves. 
You know, I want I want it my way. I want it my way. Well, we all want it our way. We're crying out loud. But when the one thing that seems to be di- uh, uh, really divided in not only in society but in the world today, the unity that we have because I have the same problem that you have, and I'm trying to work the same solution that you gave me. So with that. Uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Fernando. Thanks for the opportunity. Outstanding. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate Welcome to today's reading of Limitless Love, December the 13th. Protect Your Heart by Gloria Copeland. Scripture for today is Psalm 103, 3-4 from the New American Standard. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Psalm 101, 3-4. A majority of what you will find on television and in the movies will not enhance your love walk. Secular entertainment is absolutely full of filthy language, selfishness, and strife. And if you want to develop your love life, the Spirit of God will lead you more and more to turn that ugly stuff off. Why? Because when you feel you feed your mind on it, watching and hearing it again and again, you become desensitized to it. It works its way down through your mind and into your heart. And sometimes when you least expect it, it will come right back out. The Bible tells us to rid ourselves of filthy communications of anger, rage, bad feelings towards others, curses and slanders, and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances. Galatians 3.8, Amplified Bible. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that means we have to rid ourselves of all the soap operas, most of the talk shows, and a lot of other programs worldly people watch. There is so much in them that it is unsolving, unloving, and perverse that we should give them absolutely no place in our lives. We need to see them for what they are, the devil's attempt to pull people further into darkness. And we need to say the same thing the psalmist said, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I realize simply changing the television channel won't protect you from all those kinds of things. As long as we live in this world, there will be people around us talking and behaving in unloving and ungodly ways. But by the power of God, we can rise above those influences. We can, as one minister said, shut the door of our nature to it. God will help us close our hearts to it so that it won't get in. If we purposely put ourselves in position to witness ungodly things, however, that's another matter altogether. We're making a choice to open the door to our nature, to the devil's trash. We're consciously choosing to sow to the flesh. And the Bible says that when we do that, we will reap corruption. Galatians 6 eight. That's the unchangeable law of God, and it is going to work in our lives whether we like it or not. Don't give the devil a free shot at you. Don't willingly give him the opportunity to corrupt your love walk and sow strife in your life. When something comes on television that violates your born-again spirit, turn it off. If you're in a theater, dare to walk out. 
refuse to give the wicked ways of the world an opportunity to cling to you. All right. Let's go ahead and move over to uh, Kenneth Copeland for today reading. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, December the 13th. From Faith to Faith. Don't Panic. This is by Gloria Copeland. Roll your works upon the Lord. Command and trust them wholly. Commit them wholly to Him, and He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will so that your plans be established and succeed. Proverbs 16.3, the Amplified Bible. Again, let us work, let us roll works upon the Lord. Commit and trust him wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will and so shall your plans be established and succeed. Right now, you may be on the edge of a major decision about to make a change in your job or your church or your personal life. You know you need divine guidance and you're hoping desperately to hear from the Lord. If that's your situation, don't panic. Being led by the Lord isn't some complicated process that only the spiritual pros can master. I found that out years ago when I was a new believer. I wanted to live in a way that was pleasing to God, but I didn't know how to make decisions that were in line with His will. Then, one day, I was studying the Amplified Bible. I came across Proverbs 16.3. Immediately, I latched onto this verse and began to use it in my life. And I can tell you now from experience, it works. It will work for you, too, if you do what it says. Roll your works over on God. Commit your ways to Him. Trust them wholly to Him. He'll start adjusting your thoughts to be like His until at some point you will just know the right thing to do. Of course, faith is involved. One of the requirements is trust. And you won't be able to do that without feeding on God's word. Then as you practice rolling your works upon the Lord and trusting Him, you become more confident in your ability to hear. Start now with whatever problem is bothering you. Pray and trust God with it. In other words, believe you receive when you pray. Stop worrying and began believing. Learn to live this way, and it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian 30 minutes or 30 years. Your plans shall be established and succeed. Additional reading is Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7. All righty, let's go over there. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7.
Psalms 37, 1 through 7 says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noon sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we're going to do Proverbs 13. Verse 1. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. Wise words will win you a good meal, but treacherous people have an appetite for violence. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Open your mouth. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. The godly hate lies. The wicked cause shame and disgrace. Godliness guards the path of the blameless, but the evil are misled by sin. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. The life of the godly is full of light and joy, but the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. Pride leads to conflict. <clears throat> Those who take advice are wise. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. <clears throat> Hope defer makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. People who despise... <clears throat> excuse me. People who despise advice are asking for trouble... Those who respect a command will succeed. The instructions of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treasurous person is headed for destruction. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you will accept correction, you will be honored. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refer, refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Trouble chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. <clears throat> Good people leave an inheritance to their children's, to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passed on to the godly. A poor person's farm may produce much food, 
but injustice sweeps it all away. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. The godly eat to their heart's content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. <clears throat> now a reading from Psalms 13. O Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? <clears throat> Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. <clears throat> Very good. Now we go to Psalm 43. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe heaven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth and let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my heart, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Psalm Psalm 113. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forevermore. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childish woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. And now... Our last psalm would be Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been there. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Good morning, family. Welcome to today's podcast. Fernando, your speaker for today. Let's go ahead and open it up with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I have some scripture here, about 30 verses I like to read. And I want to quote um, Matthew Henry. The grace is the free, undeserved goodness and favor of God to mankind. Grace is the free, undeserved goodness and favor of God to mankind by Matthew Henry. You know, the only way to get grace is like an electrician. When you have a resistance on a load, say, for instance, a toaster, when you put bread on the toaster, it's causing what they call a load or resistance, uh, and it's causing the, the thing to heat up. Now, the same thing with us, and when we have a problem, the problem tends to heat up and situation. And the power of that problem, did you know that uh, God knows the problem? So in order for us, for grace to be applied and mercy to the problem and God's favors, we need to thank God for that uh, that load we thank God for the resistance in life, if you will, because it's, it's keeping us from living life abundantly. So we thank God for that resistance and we send that information back to God 
And then God is able to come down, either fix the problem, adjust the current, and make grace. You know, it's kind of like grace wants to be born with a problem. Mercy wants to be born when you have a problem. And we have to add the element of uh, thanksgiving and grace under the power through Jesus Christ. You know, thank you, Jesus. Jesus eliminated our sickness and disease. Anyway, I'm trying to put this little concept together and it is similar to electricity. Electricity has a return path. When you have a resistance on the toaster, the rest of the power goes back to the source, which is God in, in ours. So there, God knows the problem is there. He's receiving the information back. So what our job is to do is to, as, the, as that problem goes back to God, Either are we going to curse the problem or we're going to bless it. We're going to thank God for it. You know, thank God. Let's say, for instance, an unexpected bill, flat tire, fender bender, or a bad doctor report. Just start thanking God, thanking God. I believe lately I've been thinking about in some scripture it says, if you be still and know that I am God, and I read one translation where it says, so Psalm 46, uh, verse 6, I believe, or 8, says, Be still and know that I am God till he fixes it. <laughs> That's a pretty good twist. You know, to sit there and thank God for a problem and being still about it. You know, it, the God is receiving the, uh, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is receiving the resistant load. Oh, he knows what the problem is. Okay, either it's his choice. God's going to turn it into mercy, grace, favor, best thing that ever happened to us. And if we do it long enough, guess what's going to happen? He's going to send a package of reward, which is love and joy uh, through the current for us to sustain us. He's going to give us, um, you know, uh, a compensation while we're waiting for him to act on it. <laughs> you heard it right here, folks. We'll get it through osmosis by just sitting there and thanking God. Yep, it seems like a lazy thing, but how is our lives working? Can we look back and see how much work we've done to fix the situation? And what is our track record? Let's give God a chance, guys. He wants to help. The power of God is there. Let us thank him for our problems. Thank him for our situations. You know, we become good rollovers. We want to roll the situation over to the care of God, just like the Bible says, as we understand Him. Thank you so much for listening today. We're going to start our scriptures. As I said, we already prayed. And um, I will give you my two cents worth. Okay, our first scripture for today is 2 Corinthians twelve nine says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Understanding that the problem that's going through you, you must let the, let the problem pass. You know, if his grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in weakness, then if we have a problem, we double the problem if we fret and complain and curse it. Aren't we doubling the problem? 
So we're not, the word weakness means just conduit, means turn it over, let it pass through you with thanksgiving. Just water from the back of a duck's, you know, the feathers, it just comes right off. Amazing how that structure is, huh? Water won't go into his feathers. Amazing what grace is, probably. Probably the same thing. Come on, get happy, Mr. and Mrs. Let's do this thing. Second Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound for every good work. Now that's an incredible loaded scripture. I want I had that scripture in my bathroom and I took it down because I wasn't having sufficiency in all things. I wasn't having sufficiency in, in having some extra money to buy a little cream for my coffee. Didn't even have the coffee. Uh but you know, I put it I took it down, then I, I missed it and I put it back up and then I put it in the amplified, uh it expounded and it's in the amplified it says God is able to make all grace, all earthly blessing and situations come to you in abundance so that you are able to help every charitable donation and everything and and be fully fixed up. Now, how are we going to do this? Having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So God is able to make grace abound towards you. Okay, he is able when we give him all the pieces. If we're made in the in the image of God, we have to let the current go through. We don't know if the current that's coming at us in the form of a situation is good or bad. Sometimes we have uh, good blessings and we think they're good, right? And we don't thank God about it. Uh, and they turn out to be bad, you know? I thought a nice little dog would be a good present for my 12, 13-year-old son. I took it over there. The dog bit him. First thing the dog did, got off. He wasn't having any of it. He got off the car, ran over there, and bit and took some blood out of his ankle. Funniest thing you ever did see. Before you know it, the the ex-wife just gets all hysterical, takes the boy to the clinic. The clinic sends the pound after the dog. They take the dog away. I never see the dog again. They, they, uh, <laughs> it was terrible. Now, I thought it was a good thing. I forgot to thank God and run the, the, my intentions through God, okay? Anyway, that was a lot of fun. Okay, our next scripture is Acts fifteen eleven, which says, We are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. We are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus. Acts 15, 11. We, we don't deserve it, folks. Um, power, strength, and help is available to us. As, if we're alive, we got mercy and grace. Let's get more of it. Uh, the second scripture is Ephesians 2, 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. 
Do you know we're going to die, folks? So just let go and let God do his thing. Don't have, don't be a, a resistance problem. I try not to be a resistance problem. God saved me by his grace. When I believed and I let go and let God, I can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Next scripture, Galatians 1.15 says, Even before I was born, God showed me and called me by his marvelous grace. Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. So grace seems to be the conduit back to God, okay? We, we, he chose me to come here to the earth. I came in through the being birth, birth through my mom, through the, uh, all that pain in childbirth. We both had a hard time in the pain. And, uh, and you can tell when you're older, they're still mad at you that you hurt them when you were born. Okay, John 1, 16 and 17 says, Out of his fullness, we all have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in, a, in place of grace already given. Wow. In other words, abundant life through Jesus Christ. Abundant life is abundant grace. And the only way to get to abundant grace is to abundantly thank God for the resistance in our lives. Abundantly thank Him for my old pickup truck. Abundantly thank Him for I'm getting, I'm starting to get gray hairs all over the place. Uh, abundantly thank Him for life just the way it is. Romans 3, 4, 3, 24 says, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ. Now, how did I miss freely? Freely makes us right in his sight, in his grace. How did he do this? Through the conduit of the power that's coming through me, which is Christ Jesus, by me saying yes to Jesus and not having any resistance, right? I said, what do I have to lose to, to receive Jesus Christ? I just surrendered. Actually, all my other options had, did not work. I, the Lord cornered me in such a way that I believed, I believed the announcer that was talking to me about receiving, putting on Jesus, that I could whip the devil, alcohol at that time. I believe because I knew the devil had me convinced that uh, I messed with that sauce and he, that sauce was trying to kill me eventually. It wasn't not my friend. The sauce meaning the alcohol. So I, I, needed, I needed to give Jesus a, a chance to fix this thing in me. But it's amazing. It took all kinds of... Uh, uh, taking options away. All the all my options were taken away. Everything that I could be proud of was taken away, to a point where all, all the t it was grace. And I said yes, 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 yes. I I put on Jesus so I can whip the devil, and and that's exactly what happened. The the 
the devil got it, the air knocked out of him. He got his nose bleeding. I was able to punch him and see him for who, what he was. By the power that was in me, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. Isn't that amazing? A lot of people don't, uh, before they're born again, they have God's grace. They have a taste of it, you know. They have mercy, they have ability, they have forgiveness, they have love, and so forth. And if God has chosen you from the beginning, he's going to come after you. You know you're one of those chosen. You're here. You know, we feel a lot bad and we moan and groan for the people that are not chosen and so forth and everything. It's like um, it's like God providing a beautiful meal for us and we worked all day and it's got everything on it. And he goes, come and eat at my table, you good and faithful servant. The other guys don't want to don't wanna eat. He says, well, it's, it's, I'm not paying for it, so I'm not going to eat. Said, dude, you're starving, man. Can't you tell? And they still don't want to go up to God's table and take it freely. And then just enjoy the laughter, enjoy the joy, enjoy the joy. (laughs) I didn't sleep right, folks, as you can tell. I don't know what I prayed for God to help me with this talk. And chatterbox has come on to me okay titus 2 11 says for the grace of god has been revealed bringing salvation to all people grace and salvation is available to all people now let's go back there's something here the holy spirit is telling me on ephesians 1 7 and 8 in him we have redemption okay through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the resistance and the ailment of, of, of shame and persistent guilt. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of, of God's grace that he lavished on us. Our shame is gone. Our guilt is gone. Our impending doom uh, sense is gone. That, guys, is grace. That's through the blood of his son, the forgiveness of sin, and according to the richest of God's grace, redemption through his blood that he lavished on us. So we're good to go. We're family. You understand me. You put up with me. Thank you so much for giving me the benefit of the doubt. That's love and tolerance on your side. And love and tolerance on my side. First Peter 5.10 says, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Woohoo! First Peter 5.10. The, the God of all grace, okay? Different, two types of graces. There was a grace here, and then when Jesus came, he came to give us super radical, powerful, abundant grace. He has called you to his eternal glory. Man, you ought to be shouting that we are called, guys. 
you know, eternal glory in Christ. After he suffered a little while, I suffered a little while until I said, Uncle, yes, I'll put on Jesus. Will himself, he restored me and make me strong, firm, and steadfast. And now, guys, this is the same cycle for problems now that we're Christians. Uh, he himself will restore, he'll restore our health, restore our finances, restore our joy, restore our sadness, and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Remember, through real problems like uh, a death of a family member or, or the actions of a, of a loved one that you really love and they're just eating your heart up and it just destroys you, Start thanking God for the, for it, for your suffering a little while. And he will restore you with grace and make you strong, wise, firm, and steadfast. Wouldn't you like to do that with your, your situation, your bills? Uh, how about our bodies, our physical fitness? Wouldn't we like him to restore us and make us strong, muscle, mind, soul, and by be able to do all those, will it, you know, uh, get ourselves tuned up, firm bodies and steadfast. We do it by saying, thank you, God. I'm a lazy bones. Thank you, God. I'm eating donuts while I'm watching the guy and the lady do exercise on TV. You know, and thanking God, that's a start. That's a start. Um, I used to have a, a gentleman that used to say, Hey, my wife gave me a, a lifetime uh, membership to such and such club. And he says, well, I would watch uh, the people at first in the commercials do exercise while I'm eating donuts. And it took me three years to get started. He goes, well, it was, it was lifetime, so it was a hurry. But once he got started and he thanked God for the donuts, thanked God for his laziness, God restored him and made him strong, firm, and steadfast where uh, energy and uh, what do you call it, leanness, firmness, steadfast, and serving others. He was serving others, so he had to be strong, firm, and steadfast by doing something similar that we're doing. You're listening. I'm talking. And we're talking about him, the Lord, and his benefits. And that is service work, folks. We we qualify. <sighs> Sometimes I listen to myself and I said, who are you talking to, Fernando? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that by his poverty he could make you rich. Wow. It kind of uh, gives me uh, an idea how Bill Gates came down here and uh, put everything away. And, and just he just he became poor so that by his uh, poverty that he has time for me, time to to instruct me and teach me to get up, at five, be ready at five in the morning and he goes uh, start doing basic things. uh so he can make me rich. And usually it starts out rich in the word, rich in ideas, rich in prayer, rich in thanksgiving, rich in joy. And then productivity starts taking place. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you better pay me, huh, Bill Gates. B. 
Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Titus 3, 7. Okay, check this out. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. That's why he declared us righteous. Now, you can take this scripture home, write it on your wall, because this one will pull us out of every situation. Because of his grace, which is, grace is like air, okay? And you got different kinds of quality air. Abundant grace, you can figure that, that's abundant oxygen up in the, in the redwoods, and you're smelling that beautiful, sweet oxygen. That's the abundant grace of Jesus Christ, okay? And because of his grace, he declared us righteous. We are declared, we are the righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, especially when you mess up to come back and you messed up, you got angry, whatever, just, or be, you just start saying that. Whatever habit you don't like, you say it afterwards, you've done the, the, the wrong thing, and then you'll remember after the tenth failure to do it in front of the, uh, the wrong thing. And once you do it in front of the other, the, right, the wrong thing, the wrong thing will die. It will not have, you have just used the jump wire, thanking God for the problem. Do I make myself clear? Because of his grace, he declared us righteous, okay, declared righteous, and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. I don't know how many of you have experienced no confidence, but oh my goodness, having no confidence in God, in the world, or anything, it's it's because we... Uh, we didn't thank God for our, our wrongs and let him guide us. And we were doing our own guidance. You know, once we have confidence now that we will inherit eternal life, we're not scared of death. We're not scared of problems. Us Christians have that eternal love inside of us that all will be well. We have confidence within us, which is it's a beautiful thing, you know. And sometimes it's scary to talk like that, right? Ooh, you know, you're being boastful, but I'm being boastful of the Lord. It says right here, because of his grace, he declared us righteous, fully forgiven, full, fully whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. He gave us confidence, confidence, joy, and laughter that we will inherit eternal life. Hey, it's a done deal, folks. I don't know how many of you have gone to heaven and go stick your head over there. And that's called meditation. Just stop for a minute and says, Lord, can I take a peek into your heaven? Mind you, you're probably going to see the first heaven. And in the first heaven, there's a, it's almost like a football game. People are running back and forth and so much. Every once in a while, uh, you get it. We get gl uh, glimpses of heaven and, there's a lot of footwork over there. People are running back and forth really busy. And you say, what in the world is going on up there? <laughs> so what we do to help the angels, remember the angels are waiting to listen for God's word to implement it. Okay, that's their job. They're just waiting. And they're up there in the heavenly realm in the, in the other dimension that we know it's there. So we have to throw good words in there to help our angels. You know, if we have um, 
vicious evil spirits that want to take our lunch they're moving around in the spirit realm that we we can't see so we have to this is what we're doing right here we're protecting ourselves and giving the angels an emission we are fixing our army to back us up in the spiritual realm <clears throat> uh let's pray <clears throat> let's pray for the seven coming days uh Let's say this is Monday. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you cover us with your grace. You cover us with the blood of Jesus Christ. You cover us today, Lord, that we may have a graceful day, abundant grace today. Lord, and cover us, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for the rest of the week. We pray, for Lord, for Tuesday, for abundant grace to be poured on us on Tuesday. On Wednesday, that we may have remarkable grace, Lord. Remarkable that we mark it on the calendar. Something great, something good has happened, Lord. We pray for Wednesday, Lord. And we're expectant, Lord. And we thank you for Thursday, Lord God, in the heavens. We thank you for our blessing our, our bread and our water. Thank you for blessing our cupboards, Lord God, and our fields and our family. And Lord, we thank you for Friday. We thank you, Father, for your blessing on Friday, for the grace, the abundant grace, Lord God, a renewed life. And we thank you, Lord, for Saturday. We thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we thank you for that day, Saturday, that's coming up, Lord. We just lift it up to you that it will be memorable, that we will charge our batteries, that we will wait for you, Lord, to act. And to get the job done, Lord. We just learn to exercise and turn things over on Saturday, Lord. We cut cut off all activities. We had six days to get our work done. On Saturday, we relax in the outdoors with the birds and the feet on the grass. And we're grounding ourselves. And we're letting God's word work for us. By, by, let, by meditating and letting you, God, be God. And Lord, we thank you for Sunday, that you were raised from the dead on Sunday, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the we thank you for the power. We thank you for the grace and the mercy, Lord, for that day that we may know you and have communion, and joy, and meals with you, Lord. We thank you for our Sunday meals, Lord. We thank you for our Sunday family gatherings and love. Thank you for being our Father in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Romans 6.14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Woo-hoo! Freedom of God's grace. Romans 6.14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the grace, under the requirements, excuse me, of the law. What are the requirements of the law? Guilt, uh a sense of uh, unworthiness. And instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace, love, encouragement, enthusiasm, fellowship. John one fourteen says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. His glory is... That we give him glory. We give him the credit. It's all of Jesus. Everything of Jesus, nothing of us. 
some of us can't get that through our, through our skull that uh, Jesus is God, Jesus is King, Jesus made all things, and give and turn things over to Jesus. But at the other hand, you have a lot of situations that bug you, and because you haven't said Jesus, I give this over to you, Jesus Christ, I give the situation to you. Let Jesus hold you. Let you let him show you that he can fix it. Put it in his arms on Saturday and, and rest and be grounded with your bare feet on the grass and just turn practice turning everything over to him and let him work, okay? Uh, we are not God. He's got, there's the power available. Let's just tap into it very easily. By surrender, folks. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. That's Paul. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. By the grace of God, I am what I am. If you say that over and over again, um, man, what power there is in those words, right? And his grace to me was not without effect. Okay? His grace has power. Okay? As long as we surrender. No, I work harder than all of them. I got occupied in my six days. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me empowered me to work harder. That's what he's saying right here. But the grace of God that was with me, yet not I. But it was God. We pray for the coming week. So if you see yourself very diligent, effective, efficient, happy, joyous, it's because we ask Jesus to take us through his grace, the conduit, give us more power for this coming week. That his grace, and and we give him the credit, okay? We don't get proud and arrogant. Let it go and give God where the credit is due. God saved us. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. Wow. What is his plan? To show us his grace through Jesus. So we see the more grace through Jesus Christ to having him handle everything and we see his grace on every situation, the power of God. So we get we get joy out of it. We get confidence and excitement and love. And now is God's plan before the beginning of time. So we praise and we thank God for his marvelous plan through surrender, guys, through letting go and letting God. Psalm 145, 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Woo. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Amen. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who loved us and by his grace, gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Comfort you and strengthen you. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself, himself, who 
Jesus himself, he loves us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. How would you like to have a wonderful hope, guys, built in? How would you like to have eternal comfort built in? Huh. By acknowledging that Jesus Christ, that he can do it, I can't. Lord, please do it for us. Lord Christ Jesus, you know, we just, and that he may comfort you and strengthen you. So what happens with a problem, guys, that really persists? If we, if we go through the stages of thanking God for a problem that really persists, there are stages, and we're all stuck on stage one, or we get stud, stuck on stage two, or we get sta- stuck on stage three, and we can't even get to stage four on a problem. Huh. I opened a can of worms, huh? Well, the fact is, you know, you heard it from me thousands of times. Uh, you, you got a problem, you thank God for the problem, your little boy or little girl in you is going to squeak, cry, and why do I have to do the hard work of thanking God? What if he just fix it? Well, you know, God is Jewish. No, I'm kidding. He, I don't know if he's Jewish, but he chose the Jewish nation to come in. He, got, he had to choose some. about if he would have chose the Mexican race to come in or the Aztecs to come in? And give, you know, it's just a name, you know, that he chose to come in and the people that sense his presence and walk by faith. He talks to us. I don't know, I got into another can of worms opening. But the uh, the four stages is giving him thanks. And while we, we moan and groan and go up, giving him thanks, while we stand up, while we become... Um, willing. All it is is just teaching us to be willing to be thankful. Okay, teaching our hearts. Actually, getting our. It's like breaking a horse in. And you break a horse in. That's all you're doing. You, we are breaking this this animal inside of us to give thanks for this situation. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep thanking him. Keep thanking him in the cross. Just keep looking at the cross. Well, your subconscious mind is is, spit, is spitting curses or whatever and stuff like that. It doesn't work. La 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 la. This is crazy. Just keep giving him thanks. Or oh, is this too much for you for your holy holy ears? I apologize and I apologize for being uh, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ in this way. Thank you. I'm just trying to get to you that uh, we have a resistance that has to. I have to grow up like Jesus went out and didn't eat for 40 days. That's what he was doing. He was getting his his man under uh, subjection. You couldn't go to the right or the left. You just have to turn on the spirit. And then the second stage is the poor me, you know. Why do I have to be in this situation? So you keep thanking God. You got the guy on the run. You ain't got no, nowhere to go. You know, his soul is being vexed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then when the cake is done, um, your commitment will say on the third stage is you start getting love and strength. You see right here, it says comfort you and strengthen you. 
eternal comfort and wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you. On the third stage, you start getting comfort. You start, you now you got fortitude. You know, it says, I'm going to, I commit to thanking you for this problem, for the, if you want me to, God, for the rest of my life. That is an acceptance commitment. That's a, uh, and you're strengthened. And actually, right here is the, uh, the twister. You're going to start getting love. And he's going to start loving the situation. And, it's, and the love is going to strengthen you. And you're going to have more faith for other things. You're going to have more faith to get that degree. You're going to have more faith to, to, to give the right information to your son or your daughter that's out there and needs your words and needs your, your directions or your parents. And you need, to, you need to respond properly to the co-workers and so forth. Your loved ones, your husband or your wife, to respond properly to your wife and say, I love you, honey. God bless you. You know, when you, you got married in, 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 in Las Vegas, you know, you start thanking God for them. And what happens is God will give you, comfort you, and strengthen you. And the fourth stage, folks, the fourth stage is a reward. A piñata. All kinds of good things will happen. And, and all kinds of supply to strengthen you for the next battle that you're going to experience. Or the next love sequence. Okay, if you see your problems of love sequences, um, you got it made. Ephesians 4, 7 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ Jesus. To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we all have grace. We all have a ticket to thank God for a problem. James 4, 6, he gives us grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, being proud causes a lot of problems because we can be proud in our problems. We can be proud in our, um, in our accomplishments. We can be proud in in our uh, our check from our employer. So that's one of the reasons God is just trying to get the proud out. That and all it is 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 a lack of wisdom. Proud is is a lack of wisdom that you don't understand the power of God, all the grace He's given us, all the love, all the resources. It just goes over our heads, and we we get that devil of proudness. But he know what it says right here. He gives grace to the humble. What do we want? Grace, right? And how do we get there? We have to get humble. That's why one of the reasons we get on our knees and ask God to direct us this day. We give ourselves over to you. We we give our our days over to you. Our minutes. Our just turn it over properly, guys. You know when you turn it over properly, you have a great day. You forget you prayed. You get involved in your work, and then when you wake up, you say, wow, that prayer did work. That's what we're talking about, folks. That's turning it over. And I bet you that's all our problems right there. We think if we drop our our shield of proudness, people will take advantage of it and so forth. Uh, maybe 10, 20%, but just let go. I had a situation yesterday that I was trying to help somebody uh, uh, 
store some of their equipment and I'm thinking, you know, and the thing is, I said, boy, this is going to turn into a problem if the guy doesn't take it out of here like he said he would. And, he's, and he continues to stay on the problem and can't fly. So everything's about reconstructing, helping people. So I let it go. I just started thanking God and I accept it. Well, if it gets worse, I accept it. You know, if I have to deal with this stuff moving around, uh, I accept it. You know, whatever it is, I just let it go. And within an hour, the guy calls, hey, I'm coming to pick up all my stuff tomorrow. I'll see, you at, uh, I'll see you at the meeting. I said, wow. As soon as I let go and I stopped the resistance, folks, and I, it, it panned out, it worked out. See, we give life to our little fears. We give life to our little by being. And it's really proudness, folks, that we don't believe that God is going to do, you know, so it's a training, it's a training sequence, Lord. It's a boot camp, okay. And we're get we're getting this. We are getting. It. If you've been listening to me for forty three minutes, and you're there smiling, drinking the coffee, eating the cookies, and saying, "Look at that boy! Look at that!" I don't want to call myself a, a name, but you know trying to to figure out how God works and only until he opens our eyes do we see things you know our lack of wisdom is the fact we have ego pride uh, anger our lack of reading his word that opens our minds and, and see you know what grace is right here it says in second Timothy 2 1 says be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Who doesn't want to be strong? Who doesn't want to have enough energy to go out there and, and laugh and smile and have joy? Accomplish everything around you so that your, your reward will be joy and laughter and love and all that good stuff. huh? Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's our reward, folks. Lafta. Left eye, get your left eye. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You gotta, if you don't believe, get out there in Saturday and plant your feet and say, Father, I, I believe. And just keep saying that, Father, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I turn everything over to him. Write it 5,000 times on your piece of paper. Write it over and over again till it becomes... Uh, tattooed seared in your consciousness that it is your new operating system and you will not be um, you will not be let down amen that's where the strength comes from our resistance towards against Jesus Christ is the problem folks you gotta up the power plant you say, oh, yeah, you give a lip service, right? But then at the same time, you try to, uh, you don't know, we don't know how to surrender and let G turn things over to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 9 says, your strength comes from God's grace. Your strength comes from God's grace. Where does it come from? Does, does it come from the Lord, little grace he's given us? In other words, we're... Uh, we're sitting on his mercy and we're not destroyed because there's, but Jesus came to give us abundant strength that comes from God's grace. 
abundance, abundant joy, abundant power that comes from God's grace. Oh boy. Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Okay, his love protects us. He's a sun, he nourishes, gives us vitamin D. We've got to wait upon the Lord for he can be a God of sun and shield. The Lord, the Lord, the owner of this world will give us grace and glory. And glory is, it's not for our glory, it's his People will see his grace and glory in us. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. All the levels. Thanking God. Walking uprightly. Amen. Incredible scripture. Second Timothy 4.22 The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The Lord be with your spirit. Lord Jesus Christ is in our spirit. We're born again. Grace is with us. Ha ha ha. Numbers 6.25 says May the Lord smile on you and be gracious unto you. Ooh. You know, it was known in the ancient world that if the Lord was small on you, you would be rich, able, and be well-known in the land because he would, the Lord would be gracious to you, powerful, taking care of widows and orphans. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. Romans 5.2, Through him we have also established access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5.2 Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5.2 Through him, through Jesus Christ, we have obtained access by faith, okay, by our actions, you know, into his grace, into this grace, okay, into this powerful grace in which we stand. We stand on top of the grace and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's a reward, folks. We're rejoicing in hope that we will have the glory of God in this situation. Through him, we have obtained access. Romans 5, 2. Wow, man. That's another incredible scripture, huh? Through Jesus Christ, we also have obtained access by faith believing, by our actions, by getting our knees and praying into this grace or thanking God for a problem. That's our action. That's our faith. Into this grace in which we stand. You know, and that goes, go in the power you have. That's the grace you stand on. Okay. Go, in other words, go seek, knock, and look, and ask. You're standing on grace. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is the light of Jesus Christ shining through us, doing good works. That's the glory of God. First Peter 4.10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. So the grace is the promoter to all kinds of gifts. 
okay? Uh, gifts of encouragement, gifts of enthusiasm, gifts of laughter, gifts of wisdom, gifts of explaining something, uh, gifts of uh, even being a good truck driver and delivering milk and bread to uh, stores, you know, or, or good at your job. Those are gifts that uh, we are faithful stewards of God's grace. He's given us activity to do and to earn our money and to rejoice in the good things he's given us. Well, okay, Ephesians 2, 5, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. In other words, when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the light bulb of grace was turned on to the whole world for eternity, for thousands of years to come. That is only by us receiving God's grace, Jesus Christ, that we have been saved. So Jesus is inside the grace. He makes the grace all powerful. Acts twenty thirty two, which is a couple of scriptures more. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those that are sanctified. Woo-hoo! I commend you to God, folks, and to the word of his grace, Jesus Christ, which is able to build you up. You thank God as you go through the stages, build you up, and he's there with you. I thank you um, for my emotions, Lord, that don't want to move up and don't want to do the hard work, who is able to build you up and give and to give you the inheritance, the reward, the love, among all those who are sanctified. Woo-hoo, Acts 20, 32. We are sanctified. We say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. I am the sanctified one in Christ Jesus. I am the redeemed one in Christ Jesus. That's out of Colossians Revelation 22, 21. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with God's holy people. Amen. And our last scripture is in Galatians 2, 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And how do we crucify that old self? By thanking God for our present situations our problems and surrendering them to him with Christ till we get to a point that we no longer live. We who live, but Christ lives inside of us by thanking him for the problem. Amen. And C.S. Lewis says, if God is satisfied with the work, the work may be satisfied with itself. Huh, I don't understand that. If God is satisfied with the work, if God is satisfied with our work, we will feel, have confidence that the Father loves us and the glory of God will be shown in our work. May God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Thank you for being, uh, hearing me and listening to me. I pray that this becomes a very fruitful time we have together of going over thanking God and thanking for our problems and let God be God. I love you. Have a great day. Give them heaven.